surprises. Let's just do a quick straw poll. If you're in favor of surprises, raise your hand. Oh, pretty good, pretty good number. I mean, some surprises are amazing. Like on Monday, I look out the door and I'm like, why is John here? And then John comes walking in with a birthday cake that he had acquired for me from St. Paul's Cafe Latte. And I was like, yeah, awesome, surprise. You're like, it was your birthday Monday. It was. That's why he brought me the cake. Some surprises are terrible. Like my daughter loves to do this thing where she will hide in her doorway and she knows I'm walking by and then she's, she's recording me and she's like, ah! I'm like, ah! Stop that! Not a good surprise. Or when your son decides to show up at home when he's told you he's not going to show up at home and then you awake to the front door opening and you're like, we're about to have a problem. You're like, your door's not locked. Never. Nope, Never. Door is never locked in my car or at my house. Uh, well, the worst surprise, though, is as it relates to children's toys. I don't fully understand why we think this is a good idea to buy our kids jack in the boxes. <laughs> like, whoever decided that this was a good idea? Well, actually, it came about in the 13th, couple 13th, 14th century. This guy actually caught this, what he said was the devil, and put it in a, in a boot. That's the mythological uh, origination of the jack-in-the-box. And then later they put it into a box where you cranked it and you weren't sure when it was coming out. And devil in a box is kind of like bag o' glass, not a great seller. <laughs> but jack-in-the-box somehow is a good seller. And the classic classic scene when Buddy the Elf is testing the jack in the boxes. I love it. I was going to show that, but then the folks who are at home would feel left out because of copyright infringement. We can't show it here. How do we feel about surprises? I suppose it depends on what type of surprise it is. This morning's passage is a bit of a surprise. Part of it is a surprise that it's in this chapter, and then there's other things that we'll get into. We are in Hebrews, back in Hebrews chapter 11. We're concluding this uh, section on these uh, pillars of the faith, Old Testament style. It's on page 1008 in the blue Bibles in front of you. The writer says this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect." Yeah, this, this is the point in the, in the letter to the Hebrews where the writer says, oh yeah, we got to speed this up. I'm running out of the proverbial ink. And so this, what more shall I say? I, I don't have time to go into great depths uh, to talk about these individuals. So let's just speed up 
and just start listing them off. The challenge is, for those of us who walk through the book of Judges, um, not exactly the list that you were expecting. (laughs) It's kind of like, if we were going to do a draft board for the draft that starts on Thursday night, pretty sure none of these individuals would make it in Mel Kuyper's first round pick. Because we look at somebody like Gideon, we're like, oh, yes, Sunday school story. Remember Gideon? He puts the fleece out, takes the fleece in, doesn't trust God, so he says, let's do this in reverse. And then he proceeds to lead the Israelites into idol worship. (laughs) Or then we go on to Barak. And the interesting thing about this list is it's not in chronological order. We go on to Barak, who uh, should have been the leader, but wasn't the leader because God chose Deborah, a woman, over this individual because he wasn't fit to be worthy of the position of leader. And then even in the war that he fights in, he doesn't get the glory because he's unworthy to receive the glory of victory. And then, of course, we have this other individual. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. His name is Samson. And we go back to Sunday school and we're like, oh yeah, Samson is like ripping animals apart. Long Fabio flowing locks. It's interesting, in Sunday school we don't talk about Samson and all of his exploits and how he treated women and the fact that he allowed himself to be led astray. And Samson isn't exactly this pillar of faith in what we would deem as pillar of faith. Or then we move on to Jephthah, and we think, oh yeah, Jephthah, I missed that guy. Well, he's the guy that ends up sacrificing his own daughter after making a ridiculous vow to God. Like, this is in the Bible? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And then we actually get somebody that we think, oh yes, and then there's David, this pillar man after God's own heart. Slaying Goliath and then committing adultery with his neighbor and killing her husband and then having so much blood on his hands that God doesn't permit him to build the temple. And at last, we get one one shining star, Samuel, who led the nation of Israel in great faith. And the prophets, just this general category. And the the challenge that we face around this is when we look at individuals, certainly throughout the life of the church, we can easily do Sunday morning quarterbacking and condemn who they were about the bad things they did. Or we can take the other, other approach and we can just disregard and just not even look. Like, let's just not even talk about those things. Except... We need to talk about those things because we need to acknowledge when violence has been done, we can't just like, well, let's just not talk about that. We just brush over the reality of that. But the writer of Hebrews gives us this list partly as a way to remember, remember the challenges that took place throughout the nation of Israel, but also to celebrate what God is doing. Because this list gives us the truth of who God is. That God is a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy and restoration. That God is not a God of judgment where when these individuals did these terrible things, they were somehow cast out of the Bible. They were blackballed or today they were canceled. How quickly is it that somebody does something wrong? We're like, you're canceled. 
And yet, to be the people of the book is to be the people of grace. Where when something bad happens, where somebody does something, they seek forgiveness. And we grant forgiveness and reconciliation. And this process isn't like an overnight thing. I do something stupid, I ask for forgiveness, and then we just move on. But this is a reminder of how God chooses to use people who do terrible things, make terrible decisions, and he chooses to use them to restore and bring about the advancement of his kingdom. I mean, last Sunday, I, I, you're like, it's Easter. I'm like, yeah, it was Easter. It was wonderful until, until I just let my tongue get, get away from me. And then I had to apologize. You're like, you messed up on Easter? I mess up all the time. Especially when my tongue gets ahead of my brain. But God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so when we look at this list, we can either disregard the history and the reality of these individuals, whitewash over it as if they didn't do the things that they did. But that's not the point. The point is that God desires to use all types of folks from all different backgrounds to bring about the advancement of his kingdom. And so when we make mistakes, when we do horrendous things, it's not that we're just canceled and cast out. It's that we seek forgiveness and restoration, wholeness within the body. Because that's who God is. And to be a person of faith as we've been going throughout this section of Hebrews is not to be a person of perfection, but a person of obedience and persistence. Faith isn't about perfection, it's about persistence. Persisting into this challenging life that we find ourselves in. And then he, the writer goes in, in, into this very curious list of all these people, not by name, but by experience. Conquering kingdoms, enforcing justice, obtaining promises, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire. We think of Daniel, we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escaping the edge of the sword, we think of Elijah and his great triumph across uh, running away from Jezebel. Made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. We think of Elijah and Elisha literally raising children back from the dead. Then we get to this part where, like, surprise! <laughs> Can we just not talk about this part? Some were tortured, receiving to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, 
mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. As Tim Keller likes to say, sometimes we need to get the bad news before we get the good news. Because God comes through again and again through all of these people, but the bad news is the reality of what they also experienced. And these verses are a rejection of the rampant rise of therapeutic deism and the overwhelming draw of the prosperity gospel that says, Follow Jesus and everything will be perfect. If you accept Jesus Christ, then God will desire to give you all of your earthly wants and wishes and hopes and dreams. Except that's not the truth. That's not the reality of of what takes place in the Bible or in the present. Because even though we have been redeemed and restored and we look forward to the hope of resurrection in the future, which we celebrated at Easter, and even though we know that the life in the Spirit is a life of abundance, the picture so often is of these really bad things happening. These really bad things. And sure, we can all spot a Jim and Tammy Faye from a mile away. Very interesting movie, by the way. Nikki's upset with me because I watched it without her. It's a different, score, different discussion for a different time. Somehow we allow this mentality to infect our way of thinking and our way of living. And the challenge is when we read this text... Those who chose to follow after Yahweh and commit their lives to Yahweh experience some terrible and wretched things. None of these things we desire for our own lives. And it's easy for us to convince ourselves that we are experiencing persecution in our lives, when in actuality we're not. Because this type of persecution we know still happens around the world. In Africa, in Asia, south of the border. Peoples whose lives are being taken from them strictly because they profess faith in Jesus Christ. But for us... When we lose our preference or our privilege, we say, oh, we're being persecuted. Persecution is not loss of preference or privilege. Persecution is not being talked about negatively because one's association with a larger group. Persecution is not exclusion. Jesus says in John 15, 18, if the world hates me, it's going to hate my followers. And so often the case, we, we are excluded from either a group of individuals or a setting. And we think it's because our allegiance to Christ, when in actuality it's because we're terribly rude. And people just don't want to be around us. 
Is it because I'm a Christian? No, it's because you're a jerk. <laughs> well, that's what I'm supposed to be for Jesus. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible. We're not even close. As we've been talking about in Ephesians, how the church is to be this amazing fragrance that draws people in. And instead, we, we allow ourselves to be swept up into these culture wars that are productions of the world, convincing ourselves that we to, are to become something that is the opposite of what the, the Bible calls us to. And then when we experience negativity from the world, we say, oh, see, we're winning. This is what, this is what we're supposed to be doing. No. No. Pretty sure Pretty sure that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Because these individuals were killed and beaten and suffered because they were not willing to compromise on their commitment to Yahweh. These are consequences of remaining obedient to God in the face of true affliction. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Pretty sure that doesn't apply to any of us in this room. Another writer says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Wait, what? How is it the case that these individuals who are these pillars of faith went about living their lives trying to pursue what it means to be a follower of God, the prophets going out and doing these things and, and, and speaking the truth? And God says, if you would follow me, if you would be obedient to the call that I have placed on your life, these things are what? The writer of Hebrews reminds us that even though these individuals desired to follow God, they didn't get what God had promised them in the present. Which is so hard. It is so hard because we want what we want and we want it when we want it. That's why I love Veruca and Willy Wonka. She doesn't just want a pony, she wants a pony now. If I say yes to Jesus Christ and following after him, I want everything I want, and I want it right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. Yet they remained resilient and committed and obedient to their faith, not receiving what was fully promised to them. And that becomes such a challenge for us in the present, where everything is right here, right now. And then we get this mysterious conclusion to this section. And the writer says, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, which is just a mind-boggling statement. The mystery of God is one in which he desires to bring about the restoration of 
humanity. And so in God's patience, people miss out on the things that they desire or are promised in the present for what will be given in the future. And it's the essence of the here and the now and the not yet. Because what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that God chose not to provide them the promises in their present so that in our present we could experience the goodness of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God's desire to redeem humanity through Jesus Christ when he chose to do it provides hope and a future for the Hebrew people and for the people that are receiving this letter, and for us today. Because God's desire is not about limiting those who are in his family. God's desire is to expand those who are in his family. God's desire was not to keep it within the nation of Israel. God's desire was to redeem all of humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is amazing. And yet some people had to wait on the reception of the promises that God had provided for them because God's plan was even bigger than we could ever imagine or fathom. And I know sometimes we don't like surprises, especially in the Bible. <laughs> That's why we don't often read it. <laughs> I don't really want to know what's in there, so I just, I'm just not going to read it. But here we get this list of all these people who have lived by faith. Some amazing people who did incredibly terrible things. And yet God chose to use them. God chose to use them in a way to bring about the advancement of his kingdom to the restoration of humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. God has provided something better for us. Better. God has provided something better for us than what the world can provide. And that is the hope of Jesus Christ in the now and in the future. If we live by faith, which is not living by perfection, but living by persistence and obedience to the things that God has called us to, embracing and living into the grace that God has provided to these individuals, the same grace that he extends to us, we too can live into this list, live into this category of individuals who by faith follow after God, not by perfection, but by the grace of God, persisting in obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in this peculiar place, in this letter to the Hebrews, Acknowledging all of our fears and failures, all of our shortcomings. Seeking your grace and your mercy. 
desiring to receive your grace and your mercy so that we can live back into extending grace and mercy to those around us. Father, we know that we are not perfect. You know that we are not perfect. And yet you love us and you care for us anyway. You invite us. You invite us into your family to experience something so much better. Holy Spirit, may we embrace that. May we embrace that in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to please stand. Let's respond together.